0: the Evolving Media podcast, a podcast where we take a look at the ever-changing world of media and where it might be heading, and how everyone interested in it can adapt their own thinking in order to thrive in the future. As always, if you find this interesting, do rate, comment, share and subscribe. It'll help us do more of all this. In this episode of Evolving Media, we'll be delving into the education sphere My guest today is Houston Howard, who is a professor at the LA Film School, teaching up-and-coming filmmakers the art of making successful projects with a transmedia mindset at the fore. Welcome. Okay, so Houston, uh, you're in... In your daily profession, you're a, uh, amongst other things, a professor at the LA film school and teaching transmedia to students, right?
1: Yes, I've uh, been at the LA film school for, uh, I guess about four four years now. Uh, and I was able to uh, create a transmedia class that then became Two transmedia classes that then uh, got, we got an entire bachelor's program in transmedia design and transmedia storytelling accredited, which is yet to roll out, but we're super, they're super excited about it here at the school. And so, um, so yeah, a lot of really interesting things going on in the educational space within the transmedia design spectrum.
0: I mean, it's it's Generation Z people that you are that that you are teaching, right? From your point of view, how are they approaching the media world we we see evolving today?
1: You know, it's really interesting because. Uh Every day, I'm talking to you know 18 year olds, 25 year olds, and uh, they 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 engage with with entertainment completely different than my generation. And I, I'm I'm not much older than them, uh, but it's really interesting to see just in you know a 20 year difference or 15 year difference, um, they just how differently you know they engage with with entertainment just broadly. You know, it's what one thing that's interesting is they the way they listen to music. Uh, for example, uh, most of them, um, they they build YouTube playlists when they, mm-hmm. to listen to music, and that's how they listen to music. They don't necessarily use Apple Music or Spotify as much. They just build a YouTube playlist, which I think is really interesting. They watch, uh, you know, obviously they're very much into streaming. They rarely watch broadcast TV. Uh, for, uh, commercials are very foreign to them. You know, even things like, uh, just the other day, I was talking about about The Matrix and Fight Club, And uh, about you know that that you know they're in that that year when Matrix and Fight Club came out and the differences between the two and uh, there was a there was a student that that said you know what Uh, I haven't seen either one of those things because I don't watch old movies and that was like a big brick to the face because I was like oh I don't feel like the Matrix or Fight Club I don't feel like they're old movies but you know. That was 20 years ago, and yeah. and this particular person wasn't alive when The Matrix came out, and and when I was 18 or 19, I didn't watch uh, movies before, you know, really didn't watch a lot of films that were made before I came out. So, so it's really interesting, uh, just in the in the spectrum of things just to see the new generation and how differently they interact. They, uh, they watch a lot of anime, which is really interesting, like like massive amounts of anime. So yeah, you just have a whole different mindset, a whole different way to engage with entertainment, uh, the whole different way to, of, of just consuming entertainment um, that that is now forcing, I think, creators that are more mature, that are in the, mar- that are in the marketplace creating this, this content, the more you understand the mindset of these people and, and how they consume and how they engage and how they, how they create, how they like to create, uh, then obviously it's gonna change your process uh, you know, moving forward.
0: So how do you teach them? I mean, what, what do these kids or, or young people, what do they need to learn? What does your curriculum look like?
1: So the you know I'm very much a proponent of you have to change the mindset of people before you can teach them practical skills. There's there's this there's this really interesting quote that I that I can't remember off the top of my head uh, exactly, but but it's uh, and I even can't remember who said it, but they, they it, the the thrust of it is before you give. Uh, people the wood and the nails to build a ship you have to create in them the desire to cross the sea mm-hmm. and uh, and so when you're teaching in a film school, it's easy to kind of jump into like the blow the line skills of this is how we extend stories across platform and this is you know this is how we do this and do how we do that like the practical side of it. Uh, but I always like to front end the the curriculum with, this is the state of the world today this is the state of the industry today this is how the world's changing and you have to figure out i mean they they're, they're going to be entering in in you know in 3 years when they graduate film school they're going to be entering into a, a to to an industry that will probably be different than how they start when they started film school and they have to be ready for the rapid change and it's not like it was going to film school in the 80s or the 90s uh now even the the software they're going to be learning the cameras that they're that they're that they're shooting on in school it's going to be different technology and so uh that that they're going to use so like they have to understand sort of the changing world, the rapid pace that it's changing, the the need to be able to be light and efficient, and understand sort of the core principle of story and how even though technology changes, story is sort of this ever present thing that that is always consistent. Now the trick is just contextualizing story for all these new platforms. But but you know I have all these film students that are so focused on you know being. Becoming Tarantino and Scorsese and all these guys that yeah. that <laughs> yeah. I have to convince, and, and that's great, and that's not a bad dream, and, nope. and I hope they do. But but what I have, what I try to get across to them is is you have to recognize that things like AI and machine learning and cryptocurrency and the blockchain, the blockchain and the Internet of Things, all of this stuff. Is going to completely change the marketplace uh, for you, and that's going to impact your day-to-day life in a way that never impacted Scorsese and never impacted Tarantino. And you have to be prepared for it. And so, so at first, what I get is a is this horrified uh, depression that sort of comes over the room of like, oh my god, this seems like so the like this seems like dark and depressing and sort of foreboding. But then I pick it back up with, but but at the same time, there's this tremendous, this tremendous opportunity of, you have more platforms than ever before. People are consuming more entertainment than ever before. Hmm. Uh, We have, you know, there's so much more that you can do. There's so many other tools in the toolbox that you guys have that people in my generation never had. I mean, so letting them understand how much opportunity there is and how they have an advantage both in creation and distribution, that their parents and their grandparents and their great grandparents never had before. All of human history have never had these opportunities before. This sure. is a very special time. Right now, we live in this 10-year window where we have this tremendous democratization of technology, democratization of distribution chains that no one has ever, ever, ever had the opportunity to, to, to use. And What's awesome about it is people who are eighteen, who are twenty, they have grown up natively with this technology, and and so they they have they have a head start. They don't have to learn it; they already know it. And so and so that then builds this really tremendous excitement of okay, cool. Like I don't have to, I don't have to just pick one thing to do. I now have a, a, a toolkit with with a bunch of different tools that I that I can learn. And, and that's really freeing because today it's very rare that you just find somebody who's only good at one thing. Yeah. Maybe if they are like in the 50 plus crowd, maybe. But when you're talking about 18 to 20 to 25 year olds, Everybody can shoot video. Everybody can kind of mix music somehow, like in a garage band style of of, of understanding how to how to put audio together. Everybody can take a picture. Uh, everybody can make a website. They're they're multi talented in all these different fields. Everybody knows some you know how to use a computer, how to use tablets, how to use all this stuff. And uh, and when you when you convince them and, and help them realize. That when you become a filmmaker, you don't just have to pick one thing to do, and just all you can do is make movies the rest of your life. That you can actually use the breadth of your skill set. All of a sudden, that's really freeing, and, and really, it's, it's creating a polymath mindset in the in in the minds of the students. That's really super cool. Because I I had a guy that was in my class uh, uh, a couple months ago, and he said he said he came out of from an IT background. He spent two three years in the military. Uh, uh, focused on IT and mm-hmm. when he went to film school he thought he had to give up his IT background to become a uh-huh. filmmaker and and in the transmedia mindset like no, no, no use that like you, you, be a filmmaker but figure out how to leverage the IT skill set to now augment and improve your filmmaking in some way. You know, he was a web developer, all this stuff. I'm like, okay, the first step is now making really cool interactive websites that go along with your movies. And all of a sudden, you know, you're you're in that transmedia space leveraging all of your skills. You know, like whether, you know, they may be a filmmaker, but they, they know how to play piano. They may be a filmmaker, but they know how to, they, they're painters, right? They, they, they're they a hobby, they're hobby artists on the side. Uh, I knew, a, I, I had a student who grew up, uh, uh, as a metal worker with her dad, she knew she knows mm-hmm. how to like shape and create metal art, right? And like yeah. welding and all this stuff. And I'm like, man, that's your superpower. Make movies, but somehow figure out how to contextually connect it to this like metal art that you create. And all of a sudden, like, don't nothing is wasted in a transmedia model. When when you get them to realize that, there's this tremendous amount of excitement that uh, that that takes place. And then, once you get, once you create that level of excitement, then uh, now you can start teaching the practical skills of how to extend the story across platform.
0: So, do you feel that the the nature of universities or of places like LA Film School and other places are, are they are they changing, and do they have to change? When I'm looking at the university world over here in Finland, which I'm fairly, and and Europe, which I'm, you know know some stuff about at least I see that there is a need to start changing with the times not only to cater for how students are entering into the, the university world and what they expect of it and, and how to fulfill those expectations but also how to prepare those students for what the world they're going to be working and living in after their studies so do you feel there is a transition going on over at your place and and, and in other film schools as well
1: Sure. I, I, I think so. And I think in, you know, I think l- the larger scope of higher education and, and I'm, I'm a product of higher education. You know, I'm a, I got my JD and, you know, I'm still paying back student loans. I'm still in that <laughs> that, that higher education world. And uh, I think largely higher education is not really preparing and not the model isn't built for the new world. And what we're going to see outside of credentialing. Uh, uh, students, what well, I think what you're going to see, I mean, because there are certain things you need a degree for. You want to be a teacher, you want to be a doctor, you want to be a lawyer. You have to get degrees to be able to do that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, yeah. but for outside of the credentialing aspect of higher education, I think what you're going to see is more and more people, especially with the increasing amount of student debt that is becoming a problem worldwide, especially here in the U.S. Yeah. It's like crushing amounts of student debt. I think what you're going to see is you're going to see a disruption, uh, a bubble that will burst in higher education that is going to that is going to be a problem. Just like the auto industry sort of like uh, needed bailing out, I think higher education is going to uh, is going to need that because what the calculus of the students is is they say, okay, I can either go to college. I'm presuming outside of the credentialing aspects, I'm going to go to college and I'm going to uh, you know. Rack up forty hundred hundred and fifty thousand dollars of student debt. Yeah. Right, I'm going to go out and get a forty thousand dollar job, a four thousand dollar a year job. Uh, uh, you know, start to chip away at my student loans. When, when there's been a democratization and a commoditization of knowledge, and this is what I get with with students all the time is they say there's so many books available. YouTube is the greatest educational platform on the history of mankind. You can learn anything on Earth on YouTube, and and they say. They say, "How do I, like I can learn all this stuff on YouTube, and then I have the the tools to create. I have the tools to distribute. Why do I now need to go to college?" And th- this, I think, as as knowledge becomes more readily available, as knowledge becomes even more commoditized in the future, things like in the entertainment space, things like MasterClass, right? It's really interesting. For like a hundred bucks, I can mm-hmm. take a class. From Aaron Sorkin, so why do I need to go, you know, to you know uh, USC to to uh, rack up my student debt just to learn from a professor there? And uh, and this is the problem with that that higher education is facing now. What's great about LA Film School is LA Film School. Uh, has a really interesting model. They're 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 more forward thinking and they see this problem. And so they're really, really focused on not only preparing for students for the for the new world, but they're they're really focused on how do we give students uh, an experience that it, that they can't get on YouTube. Because they're going to get some stuff on YouTube, like the technical, below-the-line stuff. Hmm. But now, what else can we give? Can we give them that can't be commoditized? And uh, and part of that is, you know, you, you get the the experience with the other students, the, the feedback from the professors. There's all these things that can't be commoditized. Um, but then. Uh, they're also being able, looking at the curriculum and saying, "Okay, in addition to the traditional filmmaking, to the traditional entertainment business, let's start adding in sort of you know forward-thinking curriculums such as transmedia storytelling that can now make them more light and efficient. That can prepare them for the changing world. No matter you know if AI takes over, if how machine learning impacts, well, whether the blockchain impacts this or disrupts this, what the, the distribution lines will change. If you created them, themselves." a philosophy of creation and a mindset that allows them to, to be liquid in an ever changing industry. Now they're going to be prepared. That's stuff that, that I think LA film school has been really great at. Um, the art center of design is, is another uh, university in, in Pasadena that's leaning heavily into that. I'm helping them set up a transmedia curriculum, uh, in their school as well for the same reason, but more of the traditional university, especially the traditional film school, USC, uh, UCLA AFI. Um, I, I feel like they're, I feel like they're struggling in a lot of ways, the students that come out of those programs, uh, unless you're the top tier students that immediately get, you know, placed into the sort of the, that, that top 1% of the industry. Um, you know, that I feel like in a lot of ways, they're zoo animals where, uh, you know, they're like while they're in school, they're rock stars and it's great. But they're like a zoo, you know, they're a zoo animal that's then then released into the wild and they're totally not prepared for it. And and they and they and they take five to ten years to figure out the way forward, uh, but within that same time frame, they still gotta pay their student loans back, you know, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And so I think there's a disservice that happens um, in those, you know, with the traditional the traditional education. But traditional universities, I think, are slower to adopt newer models than something like an L.A. film school.
0: So talking about preparing, uh, if if you back it up a little bit, those people who have not yet entered your film school or any other film school, but as we know, most of them have knowledge of, as you would say, most of them have knowledge of how to take uh, photos, how to shoot videos, if it's only with their phones anyway. if you're an aspiring media creator, uh, how do you prepare for a career in the field? Or do you, is it a film school that is the best place to go to? Or should you just, or is it a, a you know, forge your own path as a YouTuber or, or something else? Or what kind of people do you feel will succeed in the end?
1: sure I mean I, I think you can't you can't make a, uh, a decision um, holistically for everybody there's not one good answer it depends on a lot of factors right it depends on um, whether you you know are, are you taking on debt or are you not taking on debt I mean I, I you know what's la film school is really good about is they have a, a really good pipeline into veterans that um, that have access to the GI bill that uh, after they leave the military they're coming back to, uh, to they're going back to school they're learning if you know a film school trade um and you know and it's paid through th- paid for through the gi bill i think that is tremendous uh, are your parents independently wealthy are you working while you're in school to pay your bill how much debt are you taking on there's all these variables that go into the decision of whether whether film school is right for you and i don't think it has to be a binary choice i don't think it has to be a uh should I be a youtuber should I should I start my own podcast should I do all this stuff independently or should I go to uh, to film school I think it, it can be both I think uh, you know I'm always a big advocate of, of, of having students don't wait don't' Don't just outsource your entire career just to the film school. While you're in film school, be creating, be building, uh, be preparing for when you get out of film school. Don't just start at square one the day after you graduate. Let's go ahead and start building and creating. And and if the film program that you go into or the the school that you go into can give you something that you can't get at get on YouTube, then I think it's going to be a viable. It's a it's a viable. Um, uh, uh, opportunity, you know, uh, factoring in the debt scenario as well, right? One of the things that that really stood out to me when um, when I was watching the Oscars, which I, I rarely watch the Oscars, watched them this year, and uh, I was in, really interested to see if Black Panther won Best Picture, honestly. And uh, when when uh, Black Panther won an Oscar for the best score, yeah. the compose the composer, uh, the first thing the composer did when he got on stage was he thanked Ryan Coogler, which I, I thought he would, you know, he just thanking the director. But mm. really what was really interesting, he said, I remember when we were roommates in film school and I was working with you as uh, like on your, on your films in film school, like who would have thought we would have been here today winning an Oscar? And I thought, mm. there's, there's that's a tremendous benefit of film school is, is the ROI of film school Is obviously in in the there's some below the line experience that you need, but if you if you put a focus on the um, the network that you build with other creators and the collaborators, uh, that is a tremendous asset because you don't know who's going to pop, right? You don't know who's going to who's going to be put on by by somebody or by by a studio or whatever and if you if you ingrain yourself in a network and you're and you're a good collaborator and you're a good person and you're a hard worker and you make friends and and you're talented then all of a sudden when you graduate you're not by yourself and especially in a town like hollywood uh, it's really easy to feel lonely and it's a very difficult place to network authentically and if you build like authentic connection while you're in school, I think that can be a tremendous, tremendous asset. I think the big, like, if, if I was going in film school today, obviously I would make connections with the people in my program, but I would make an extra effort to reach out to the game developers and to the animators and to the oh, people yeah. who are in the into the music program and and figure out cross-platform, cross-disciplinary collaboration and networking while you're in school. All of a sudden, that gives you a whole other level of asset when you're going out. So it, so I think it depends on the school. So if the school, like L.A. Film School, L.A. Film School has a film program, they have an entertainment business program, they uh, have an animation program, they uh, you know they have a visual effects program, they have a music production program, an audio recording program, they're very diversified, uh, You know, video game, the whole thing, they're very diversified across platform. That becomes very attractive to me if I'm a pr- prospective student to say, okay, cool, now not only can I network within my own space, I can now... Sort to reach out and have a, have an army of people that are operating in different sectors of the entertainment industry that I can uh, leverage and lean on uh, once I get out, I think that's super super effective. So if you're going to a film school that doesn't have a diversity program, I think you factor that in.
0: I would also argue that it's as you were saying, you know, with the with the girl who did welding uh, before yeah. she came to your to your course. I would argue that, for instance, you know, uh, hooking up with or, or engaging with people who know a lot about, for instance, big data, or uh, yes. you know, all of these things that I find become increasingly important to to know about, or at least know people who know about these things. Uh, in the future, it's it's becoming more and more uh, logical to have this knowledge, and to draw on it to to better your projects.
1: One hundred percent. I mean, I think I I think you know. Whenever, like, in, in an era of of you know Silicon Valley startups, the like the nerds sitting behind the computer that understand coding and how to leverage analytics and and and, and leverage data, uh, and how you know the Zuckerbergs and and those type of guys are becoming the bosses and the moguls. Uh, you know, I think that that should be apparent to people of like you know it's uh, the the world. I think is is really catered to people who understand those type of skills and um and it's easy in a film school if you're a student who's like the big shot director golden boy golden girl in film school as a director or cinematographer or whatever it's really easy to kind of you know have an arrogance about that and I see that all the time in students and listen they're 18 19 I mean of course they're gonna you know they don't you know that's just Hmm. part of being a, a dumb 20 year old but uh but if they would take the time to see the, you know the three or four kids sitting in like the dark room with their computers like typing away and pecking away and they don't talk to anybody because they're like they're all working on an app or working on an animation project it, or working on the big data and the analytics and you know all the coding and all that stuff, uh, if they would take the time to, to reach out and have an authentic, uh, connection with those people, uh, that will be a tremendous asset as they move forward, because as we see Silicon Valley, just, and just the general, Entertainment space uh, uh, overall, there's such an amazing changeover. Where now, you know, Paramount Pictures and Warner Brothers and all the you know the, the traditional film studio, there's there's this tremendous changeover of now AT and T buying Warner Brothers, uh, Amazon buying Whole Foods, you know, with Hulu, Apple, Netflix mm. ruling the world, and you know, in every way possible. The the people that have the, the companies that have that Silicon Valley big data mindset. They're now changing over the industry in Hollywood, and so all of a sudden, it's not going to be about just about the hotshot director. It's going to be, uh, you know, how how do you leverage big data and, and analytics to be able to become an asset uh, to, that, that that augments the filmmaking process rather than just the film itself. And so, the more you know, and the the, the, the more people you know in that space, I think is 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 not just. A uh, 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 you know an extra benefit. I think that's quickly becoming a necessary thing for for film students to understand.
0: It's a complex future filled with possibilities and challenges, and it's quite wonderful, I think, <laughs> even though it's Absolutely. even though it's challenging. Houston, yes. thank you so much for this talk, and and I look forward to having you on board on on future episodes of this podcast. Cheers.
1: Thank you so much. I appreciate it.